from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odeschalette, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. I recorded an interview with Claire Kuolga on August 10th, 2020. Claire is a singer-songwriter whose style draws from her traditional roots of Papua New Guinea, combined with elements of jazz, R&B, world, and soul music. She refers to her style as acoustic soul jazz. We feature her music, including the audio from a video she helped produce. I started the interview by asking Claire where she grew up and what was religious life like growing up. I grew up in Papua New Guinea. I was born in Papua New Guinea. My circumstances were a bit different from the norm, I guess. My biological mother died at birth, and so I was actually adopted to an Australian couple who were working um, for the Catholic mission. spent 23 years up there for the Catholic mission. So I was adopted. I was raised in a Catholic environment on the mission. Catholicism provided the um, absolute foundation for my spiritual journey. You know, I came from a very loving environment. My adopted parents also adopted two other girls from different villages. So this became my immediate family away from my uh, village life, you know. So, uh, yeah, this this is where um, the early years of my life began and then uh, we had to move to Australia because Papua New Guinea was coming into independence then. A lot of the expatriates that they were referred to in those days had to go to their respective countries and so um, we came to Australia. I was raised in Australia, went to wonderful, you know, Catholic schools, especially at that time, was very blessed to be given this privilege and opportunity, especially as a Papua New Guinean girl, you know. Yes, I do feel very blessed. And how old were you when your family left Papua New Guinea? I would have been about eight, mm-hmm. eight years old. Mm-hmm. I was adopted when I was one. And the circumstances with that adoption, like my mother died at my birth, and so... Um, my father, there was no other women in the, at the time in the village to, who could care for me and breastfeed me. So he um, decided to do a very unusual thing. He decided to go to the, the mission and ask them to, to take care of me, you know. So I was looked after by the nuns for about a year and then adopted out, you know. While you were with your adoptive parents in Papua New Guinea, you still associated with your Papua New Guinea way of life while you were in Papua New Guinea? Well, it was an interesting situation because uh, my biological father would come and visit me often. I couldn't speak the language, so we had to go through interpreters, just his sign language, and, you know, I felt the love. But the circumstances where I grew up was I was on the first probably teacher's college, primary teacher's college that the Catholic Mission had set up in Mount Hagen, this is the region, the actual main town where I'm from, in the western highlands of Papua New Guinea. 
So my adopted parents were both teachers and they were asked to actually set up the college there. And so I had the opportunity to actually see a lot of the culture through the students that came to the school, you know, when they used to do their traditional dances and things like that. So I saw the culture around me, but I didn't really take part, you know, as a child. And when you were in Australia, your adoptive parents were white and you started assimilating into their culture in Australia? really different because, you know, when you're on the mission in New Guinea, it was a very sort of closed, small community, highly focused on spiritual life. And then you go to middle class, and this was in Sydney, we came first, and go to middle class Australia. At that time, politically, you know, the white Australia policy was out. And here we are in this nucleus of a family with three Papua New Guinea girls and two white parents. So it was quite unusual at the time. You know, we're talking about you know, the 70s in Australia growing up. You know, I saw that we were also very blessed in a lot of ways. We still continued on, you know, going to church and things like that and as part of our Christian lifestyle and things like that. Growing up as children, like for me personally, I thought it was wonderful because there was so many things to see. I'd never seen, you know, skyscrapers or the Sydney Harbour Bridge. I used to call it the Half Bridge. <laughs> Everything was such a novelty as a child because it was so different from the lifestyle in PNG. And then I went to a Catholic, mainly all girls' schools. And so, you know, you were like this novelty, you know. Kids didn't you know they wanted to touch your fuzzy hair. And it was quite an amazing experience. And being part of the Christian lifestyle, it, I just felt loved and supported. I never felt anything really terribly negative when I was growing up at that time in Sydney. So, Claire, can you describe your spiritual journey that took you from that Christian upbringing to becoming a Baha'i? I think that journey started for me when I was in my teens. You know, I started asking questions in my teens, questions to myself, not exactly to my parents, but one of the questions was, is, you know, I, I just thought to myself, you know, if God was so big, he can't be just be in that church, you know? And I kept on saying that, you know, he's going to be beyond that church. This was when I was 15, 16. I was part of a church youth group. It was very active. But I did have questions about, huge questions about identity, purpose and belonging. That started me, um, you know, thinking about going back to PNG, thinking about the people back home. And I started thinking, you know, why was I adopted and, why was I given these parents and why was I given the Christian faith and what was my purpose? You know, three huge questions which I'm sure a lot of people have in their lifetime growing up, but they were quite profound and prominent in my life. So, you know, like when I left school, I saw a lot of things in the Christian church that I thought weren't adding up to what was actually being stated in the Bible. I started to sort of drift a little bit away, you know, from Catholicism. And I guess you could say I was I was trying to find God, but in a different way, you know. So I left school and I started studying, went on the journey of studying music, you know, through institutions and things like that. I knew God was there, but I wasn't ready to really investigate, you know, on a deeper level. At that time, I was really engaged in developing my music. I enrolled at the 
or before I, uh, I went to Canberra, I actually decided to go to Papua New Guinea. That's right. I went to Papua New Guinea first because I wanted to actually experience what it was like as a Papua New Guinean. So I uh, enrolled in the music school there in Port Moresby, and I spent a year there. And I tell you, uh, it was one of the best years of my life because I actually felt so connected to the people. I learned so much musically, especially about their traditional music and their way of life. And then I came back and studied jazz in the Canberra School of Music, finished there. And I think after my studies there, then I moved back to Sydney and I really started to ask those questions about, okay, where is God? And, you know, I need to find where he is because I wasn't convinced that he was just in in one church. I just felt that in my soul, you know. So I, I started to actually look up other churches in Sydney and go and do Bible studies with them. And I, you know, I went to a lot of different churches, mainly Christian-based. Each time I'd come back feeling very empty, kept on saying to myself, I know I'll find God because I'll feel it in my heart. And I was looking for that connection, you know. And at the time I was also in Sydney, I was spending a lot of time with Indigenous musicians and artists, you know, Aboriginal people, Torres Strait Island people, Indigenous people of Australia, and feeling a, a great connection to them. And I think, you know, one day I just came back thinking, you know, I, I got actually very depressed and I rang up my mother saying, you know, I really don't know what the purpose of life is. <laughs> I don't know where, I'm, you know, why we're here and, you know, all those big questions, you know. Well, to cut a long story short, I was actually um, invited by some Aboriginal people to go to uh, a small island off the Australian mainland called Thursday Island. It's uh, part of the Torres Strait Island group of of islands. There, I was, you know, doing music musical um, gigs there with them, and it was shortly when I returned back to Sydney after that that I believe God was actually starting to wake me up. And the way he did that is I had some pretty profound metaphysical experiences, you know, things that are you don't really see, you know, with the human eye. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> metaphysical things, for example, some of the elders that I'd met over in Torres Strait would just start appearing in, uh, to me in Sydney, you know, just really strange things like that. And I didn't understand what it was all about. This continued for about a year, and then finally I was asked to go up to North Queensland on a on a musical project. It was a, in my first Indigenous music project supporting an, an Indigenous elder from the Torres Strait Islands, and it was here that I met my spiritual teacher, who was an Aboriginal elder, and he was the one that actually taught me the, the Baha'i faith, and he was also a musician just unbelievable you know like he explained it very naturally to me and he 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 joined the dots so to speak he began with his own spirituality of from his culture his traditional culture he related it to my Papua New Guinean traditional culture and then he started talking to me about the different messengers that the creator has sent over over history to um, guide humanity through their various stages of development, you know. And I saw Jesus there. 
and it was very important to me that I see Jesus there. And when I saw that, I saw that there was no division because really I was looking for unity. I knew that I'd find God if I saw unity. When he um, explained that to me, it was very simple but very profound. I remember saying to him, you know, look, all my life I've been wondering what, who I am, what my purpose is, and where, where do I belong, you know? He said to me, he started laughing, you know, in this big voice. He was a big man. He started laughing and he said, oh, you don't know who, who you are and where you're from and where you belong. He said, you don't have to worry about that because he said, you know, he said you're a member of the human race. I mean, this is coming from an Aboriginal elder. It was just huge. You're a member of the human race. Your country is the world. Your life purpose is to bridge cultures together through immunity, bring people together, you know. This is how I was introduced to the faith, and this is how I felt that this was the truth for me at that time, you know. So six, six months after that, I became a Baha'i in 2000. So it's a very, very interesting story, you know. You're very blessed, yeah. I'm speaking with Claire Guolga, singer-songwriter whose style draws from her traditional roots from Papua New Guinea, combined with elements of jazz, R&B, world and soul music. She refers to her style as acoustic soul jazz musician. And so I guess music has been a central part of your life even as a child? Yes. My adopted mother was actually a trained classical musician and she taught us the piano from a very young age. Growing up in the house on the mission in Papua New Guinea, we always had music and I had an innate love for it. You know, I just fell in love with it straight away. And I knew from a very young age that's all I wanted to do. It was just very profound. And, of course, all the beautiful music, like when we went to church on Sundays, the students would always sing in three to four part harmony with the string bands and the ukuleles and you know, it was just absolutely beautiful. Hearing the church worship and then go home and mum and dad would have their classical records on and then my older sister would have her Credence Clearwater Revival <laughs> records on and, you know, like it was just a real melting pot, you know. Mm. It was great. When I think about it, it was very different from, you know, at that time, the average Papua New Guinean girl in the village life. This is what what I was experiencing, you know, at that time. And I was very aware of the what was around me, like the village people and everything, you know. Yeah. So, Claire, I had uh, asked you to select a few of your songs so that we could feature them on the interview. The first one that we're going to feature is a song called The Promise. So maybe you could tell us about that song and then we'll play it. Yes, this song I wrote about one of the central figures of the Baha'i faith. This is about the Bab, the Bab meaning the gate. He was the central figure that appeared first to prepare humanity for the coming of we refer to in the Baha'i faith as the glory of God, that he was preparing the way, getting their hearts ready for the teachings of the one that would come after. So the song is a simple portrait of who he was and his life. It was inspired, especially at this time, because right now 
The Baha'i faith all around the world is celebrating the 200th anniversary of the the declaration of the Bab. So it's a very important part of the Baha'i calendar at the moment. So that was what inspired me to to write the song. What aspects of the Bab will we hear about uh, when we listen to the song? It's sort of like a narrative, of, a brief narrative of who he was, his story, where he was born, what his purpose was. In the song, I basically quote from him that, you know, he came and said that he was, I am, I am the promised one that, you know, humanity has been waiting for. So, and, you know, it talks a little bit briefly about his martyrdom. He was martyred at a very young age. It just basically plants a seed just to reflect, okay, this is the important person. Just give them a bit of, you know, narrative about, you know, where he was from, what part of the world he was from, you know, the time and period that he was actually, he came into the world in, you know. He was born on the 20th of October, 1819. The place where she was in Iran. A place where God would rest his cradle for all to see. A place where God would rest his cradle One 
to the music of Claire Kuoga, singer-songwriter whose styles draws from her traditional roots of Papua New Guinea, combined with elements of jazz, R&B, world and soul music. She refers to her style as acoustic soul jazz. So the song we just heard called The Promise was about the prophet herald of the Baha'i faith. His name was The Bob, B-A-B. I urge listeners to go to Wikipedia and search for the name B.A.B. and you'll read about the dramatic life of what Baha'is consider a messenger of God heralding ultimately Baha'u'llah, the prophet founder of the Baha'i faith. So Claire, the next song that you selected for us to feature is called Ya Baha'u'llah Pa. So maybe you could tell us about that one. Well, this song is about the celebration of the coming of Baha'u'llah, the prophet founder of the Baha'i faith. And it's been written as, you know, like with joy. The whole feeling of the song is about this is a celebration. He's come, you know, the promised one of all ages has come that humanity is waited for. Again, it's a simple narrative about Baha'u'llah and who he was and I was inspired to write it again because the Baha'i world was celebrating at that time the 200th anniversary of the birth of Baha'u'llah. So Baha'u'llah, you know, in Arabic basically means the glory of God. In a lot of the scriptures from all the holy books, the previous prophets have always talked about the, the glory of God coming for humanity. So the song is about that celebration that we don't have to wait anymore is actually here and it is a celebration. So this is Ya Baha'u'llah Pa. The day has come Have you seen it? The greatest day of all Has dawned Can you feel it? Glory of the Father 
Listening to the music of Claire Kuoga, singer-songwriter whose style draws from her traditional roots of Papua New Guinea, combined with elements of jazz, R&B, world, and soul music, and she refers to her style as an acoustic soul and jazz. And we had just listened to her composition called Ya Bahawalapa, which is a derivation of the name. Baha'u'llah, the prophet founder of the Baha'i faith. So Claire, the next song that you selected to feature on the interview is called Blessed is the Spot. So why don't you tell us about that one? Okay, Blessed is the Spot is a prayer, a Baha'i prayer written by Baha'u'llah. My inspiration to write it came between 2012 and 2016 where I was up in North Queensland pioneering at the time. Pioneering for the Baha'i faith basically means, you know, you go to a certain place, you go there to help the community, uh, not just the Baha'i community, but all the community spiritually develop in their understanding of why we're here. I did that for six years. I learned a lot, you know, and these experiences when you go to different settings, you always learn so much, you know, from the community around you. Even with my parents, you know, they were my adopted parents in Papua New Guinea. They were like pioneers to Papua New Guinea for the Catholic mission for 23 years. So this is like the same sort of thing that, you know, they went to another country to spiritually help people of Papua New Guinea, you know. Having said that, I wanted to do the same thing in the Baha'i sense. So the song was inspired, of course, by the prayers and writings of Baha'u'llah. 
I really love this prayer because, it, you know, it, it talks about the prayer can be done anywhere you choose. Having that special connection with the Creator, as the prayer says, it can be done in any spot. It can be done the cities, your homes, anywhere, you know, in beautiful lake, wherever you find that sacred, special place to actually center yourself and feel that spiritual connection that is a blessed spot. So I wanted to honor the words of Baha'u'llah and put music to to those words. So this is Blessed is the Spot. Glorified women, shut of God, have been made. 
Listening to the music of Claire Kuoga, singer-songwriter whose style draws from her traditional roots of Papua New Guinea, combined with elements of jazz, R&B, world, and soul music, and she refers to her style as acoustic soul jazz. We had just listened to the piece called Blessed is the Spot, as Claire had explained earlier before we played the piece, that it's a prayer by Baha'u'llah expressing how no matter where you are, that place where you do mention God is a blessed spot. So, Claire, the next song that you selected that we feature is called Oh God, Guide Me. So why don't you tell us about that one? Yes, Oh God, Guide Me is also another prayer from the Baha'i Writings. This is a beautiful prayer. I think I learned it first when I was doing children's classes. In the Baha'i community, we have children's classes in the neighborhood. And also in Australia, we were having them in the state schools. And this is one of the prayers that I felt was very easy to learn and teach the children. You know, oh God, guide me, protect me, make of me a shining lamp and a brilliant star. And the children loved it, you know, and they put actions to it. So it was easy for them to to actually learn and sing. Just recently, you know, I've, I've been inspired too to actually put music to that especially at this time with what's going on in the world. I think it's a very appropriate prayer from people of all faiths and religions to to have in their prayer book. Yeah, so that's that's what really inspired me to do the music. Again, to serve, you know, to serve and help others and to have a resource available for people to use in their prayer meetings wherever in the Baha'i community or even whatever faith they choose to follow, you know. So this is, O God, Guide Me. 
So we're listening to the music of Claire Kuoga, singer-songwriter whose style draws from her traditional roots of Papua New Guinea combined with elements of jazz, R&B, world, and soul music, and she refers to her style as acoustic soul jazz, and we had just listened to a piece called 
O God, Guide Me, which is a prayer by Abdu'l-Bahá. And Claire, you said something that piqued my interest. You said that this particular prayer could be of value for folks at this particular time with things that are going on. Maybe you could elaborate a little bit on what you mean. This is just my personal view that for a lot of people, this is a time of uncertainty and not sure you know, what's happening. Uh, there's been so many people dying. You know, with the words of this prayer, oh God, guide me, protect me, make of me a shining lamp, a brilliant star. It, it, to me personally, it offers solace. You know, that there is a spiritual factor in what I believe is playing out in the world. And that having this prayer, I believe, will help a lot of people to just, you know, find comfort in just a simple prayer like this, you know, to, to give them hope, to give them some sort of assurance that everything's going to be okay, especially in this difficult time when they're seeing so many people dying, when they're seeing so many natural disasters happening at the same time when we had the bushfires here in Australia. So I think it's a very important prayer to give people comfort that no matter what happens around them, that we all have that wonderful potential, that wonderful light, you know, the brilliant star, you know. So I think it's it's really important for people to hear that right now. So, Claire, the last piece we're going to feature is actually a music video entitled Flowers of One Garden. Maybe you could give a little background on how this video came into being and what folks should look for. Of course, we'll only hear the audio portion on the podcast, but I'll certainly have a link to the music video on the post. But maybe you could give a little background on how this video came into being. This video was made in 2016 up in North Queensland in a small place called Babinda. And this is the area where I had pioneered. And in that time, I met a lot of interesting people. And one of those people was an elder of the region of that area, Bibinda. And her name is, is Annie Wonga, or Auntie Annie Wonga, she's known in the region. She's the last living elder of the region, a very important person in that community. She doesn't have any living siblings either. She was the one that everybody in the area called upon to, uh, what we call in Australia, welcome to country, you know, whenever there's a, an important event, you know, the council members will actually call upon an elder to welcome people to country. She was there and I had the honour of meeting her. It was really interesting because the first thing she said to me when she met me, she said, oh, she said, I knew somebody like you was going to come. It was just really strange, like she just knew that somebody like me was going to come. And she said, yeah, I've been waiting for somebody like you to come. You know, these were her words. And she said, you know, I want you to help me take my cultural stories into the school and develop some sort of program to do that. So that's what I did. I actually developed um, an educational program based around her traditional stories. And we ended up taking them into the school. The children of the area absolutely loved the program. She came in as well and told the children about the stories. We had some of the local Aboriginal children come and do all the dancing, you know, of the old stories and things like that. 
and we were coming to the end of the program and she said, you know, I've always wanted people from all cultures to come to my country and dance or sing, you know, and that's very important to me. I want everybody to come to my country and feel welcome. Prior to meeting her about, I think, yeah, it was a good five years before meeting her, I had written a song called Flowers of One Garden. Flowers of One Garden, the words are actually inspired by the Baha'i writings, Bahá'u'lláh, and the whole concept of Flowers of One Garden song is about unity, you know, the oneness of humanity. I had written this song, Flowers of One Garden, and I actually sang it for the first time to Auntie Annie there in Babinda. And she looked at me and she said, oh, this is the song. She said, "You need, we need to sing this song in. Um, in Aboriginal culture, you know, when people are talking about singing in song, uh, you know, they're basically talking about making things happen. They're basically talking about singing in a story or things like that song line, you know. So she said, you have to do this. You have to, you have to record this song and this is the song we have to teach the children, you know. We went back and we taught the children the song and they absolutely loved it. And the next minute um, I went to, to Cairns to re- actually record the track. Um, and I had some wonderful Indigenous musicians that recorded on this track. And then we went ahead and had the video made. And the video was completely done on Auntie Annie's country. And in the start of that video, she's welcoming everybody from around the world to her place, you know. Yeah, the inspiration for that song is, you know, definitely from the Baha'i writings, from the Baha'i perspective of, you know, the oneness of humanity, that that really important principle. But uh, it really meant something more to me in that context when, you know, Auntie Annie welcomed me to her country and, you know, she wanted to share her cultural stories with the children of the area. And the children, some of the children from the um, school programs and their families are actually part of the music video to this song. So it was an amazing experience for me. I just, I really uh, learnt a lot from that process. It was a, a wonderful experience to have. So this is audio from the music video, Flowers of One Garden. Mayo Boomba, Yunaba Boomba, Mayo Boomba.
So we've been listening to the music of Claire Kuoga, singer-songwriter whose style draws from her traditional roots from Papua New Guinea, combined with elements of jazz, R&B, world, and soul music, and she refers to her style as acoustic soul jazz. And we had just listened to the audio from the music video Flowers of One Garden, and the title comes from, as Claire had mentioned earlier, from the Baha'i writings in which Baha'u'llah refers to flowers of one garden are most beautiful when they're a variation of color. And so the Baha'i concept of unity is really unity with diversity because just unity with sameness is not as beautiful as with the diverse cultures and backgrounds that make a wonderful human flower garden. So, Claire, where can folks find your music? You can find my music on my website. It's www.clairekowalga.com. They can also buy my music on Nine Star Media and Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon. They're the main platforms that you can go to access the music. Well, Claire, thank you so much for spending this time with us and sharing your wonderful music. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Warren, and thank you to all the listeners. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Claire Kuolga, a singer-songwriter from Australia. You can find her music on her website, clairekuolga.com. That's K-L-A-R-E. And then her last name, Kuolga, K-U-O-L-G-A dot com. You can find this interview and other interviews on the website, abahaiperspective.com, and on the YouTube channel, A Baha'i Perspective. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website, baha'i.org, or you can call the number 1-800-22UNITE. I hope you join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective. This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.